Welcome to the Everything Apartments podcast. I'm your host, Eric Christopher. And on this podcast, we cover all topics of multifamily investments from buying and financing properties, day-to-day operations and management, and also reinvestment strategies. First, I want to remind some of the newer listeners, we have a whole bunch of back episodes that we've done. We started doing the podcast a little over a year ago, and I encourage you to scroll back in whatever podcast platform you're listening to right now and check out some of the back episodes. We've got some great guests uh, like we do today covering a lot of different topics. Plumbing is a topic that we as apartment owners and managers are kind of very intimate with by nature. I think we'd all agree in most buildings, it's the most frequent need for repair and maintenance. And while most of the repairs are relatively small in nature, when we hear the word plumbing, what flashes into your mind? I'll bet it's the same visual for all of us. Massive amounts of water flooding an upstairs unit, causing huge amounts of damage. Luckily, that probably doesn't happen too often. But if we take a few minutes to better understand this sort of necessary beast, we may be better off avoiding something like that and just kind of being aware of when things happen, more of what they're actually talking about when they explain the work. That's something that when I first started, it was like a foreign language to me. And over time, you know, a little bit of familiarity, but it it would be a topic that would never hurt to learn a little more about. We have a great guest to talk with today, but first I'll tell you about our firm, WSC Realty Advisors and WSC Property Management. WSC has been helping buyers, sellers, and also managing properties in Long Beach for over 15 years. If you're tired of managing your units or you're just not getting quite the level of results you want, we can help. WSC never wants to be the biggest firm in Long Beach. Instead, we want to stay a little smaller and more agile to bring you the quality that you want and need. We can also help you if you're looking to acquire more units here or maybe an out-of-state scenario. Uh, either apartments or a single tenant net leased investment, which is kind of a popular way for retirement, visit wsc-pm.com. Call, text, or email us. All that is in the show notes. And mention the Everything Apartments podcast and get your first two months of management absolutely free. Whatever your challenge with your property, WSC has the solution. Today, we have Bob Mungo of J&D Plumbing here in Long Beach. J&D has been in business since 1980. Bob was a general contractor before that, dating back into the 70s. And I can tell you from using this firm for some years, they do a really great job. Everything I've sent their way has been handled very efficiently. And it reminded me of how I got in touch with J&D to begin with. I I was taking a trip to Mexico right after I started managing my first building. I got down to the beach with my first drink and sat down on on the Shades Lounge there and immediately got a phone call from a tenant telling me there was water running all over the floor in their unit and what should I do? And it, it kind of sent a message to me right there that I needed somebody on my side that had, could take care of us on a 24-hour basis, which J&D does. And that also is a, is a huge time and headache saver. So it's just a, it's a great firm to call upon, which is why we have them here today. Bob, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Great. So for our discussion, I mean, I boil it down to Plumbing, for the most part, is water going in and water going out. Now, do you all do much gas line work? We do. We're a full-service plumbing company. So uh, not only for uh, whether you have a water leak or you have uh, you need a faucet or a garbage disposal, you know, we handle everything to do with sewers. Uh, we have uh, hydro jetting equipment. We have leak detection equipment. We have line locating equipment um, and gas lines. Uh, most of the time, gas line, we've just finished one on the west side of Long Beach. Um, if you want to hear a quick story or a disaster story of 
the poor guy. He had a uh, his home insurance warranty, and they sent out the plumber the first time because the gas company came out, turns their gas off. You have a leak. So they now he has no gas. First day. Day two, home warranty company shows up. The people they send up, they don't have any equipment. They don't have a compressor. They don't test anything. They say, yeah, you got a leak. And they leave. He calls, complains. Day three, no gas. Day four, another person from the same company shows up. Come back. They ask him if he has a compressor that they could borrow to <laughs> pump up the line to double check to make sure there's a leak. He says, no, I don't have a compressor. Why don't you have tools? What are you doing here without your tools? So then he finds us on Google. And so uh, we're maybe three miles from him. So we show up, we put the lines on test. We separate the house from the underground. We test the house. He has no leaks. We test the underground. He does have a leak. So we know uh, you have an underground, half of it's under concrete. It's next to the pool. So, you know, at that point it's, it's less expensive to reroute. So we rerouted his gas, got permits, rerouted his gas line in two days, and he had gas on. Uh, unfortunately, his insurance company said, oh, we only allow to pay $1,000 for this. So, uh, And the first plumbing company's already eaten up $560 of your $1,000. So we're only going to pay you an additional you know, $440. Yeah, very interesting what you see in all the different trades that actually people are passing off as, as work out there. So it's good to know. And, and some of the type of machinery and the processes you mentioned, we'll get to in a minute, but I've seen some of them at work right in front of my eyes and we'll, we'll get a little further into that. To keep it simple though, let's, let's start with supply side. So, so many older buildings, not just here in Long Beach, but all over the place in Southern California, they have the old original cast iron plumbing. What are your most telltale signs that that unit needs to be repiped? I mean, what's, what's telling you it's time? So uh, the old buildings have, you know, they have uh, the water piping and then the sewer piping. So many times uh, the water piping will be galvanized and uh, a lot of times you'll have a uh, lack of water volume coming out of the faucets. Everybody confuses pressure and water volume. Oh, I don't have any water coming. I have no pressure. Well, no, you don't have pressure because you have no volume. So in the galvanized lines, you know, a three quarter line could be down to a half inch. And then if it's impacted with corrosion, the elbows or the T's, they could be down to a quarter of an inch. And so mm. you only have a quarter of an inch feeding that fixture. And therefore you turn the water on, it comes out real fast and then it's slows down and so consequently that's a telltale sign that uh you know the pipes have you know really had their useful life some of these pipes are 70 80 years old and uh, they're still working fine it just depends i think the older galvanized pipes that are in more in downtown long beach are in better condition than the galvanized pipes that were put in the 50s and the 60s for whatever yeah. reason yeah, that, that's an interesting point because i i i have a building that I managed for many years and we've gone through and we've repiped about half the units. And just as we're doing the rehab, most convenient time to do it. The first ones we did packs, and then I've had some more subsequent ones that we've done in, in copper. I mean, tell me about how PECS fix in these days. Is, is that something that's still going strong? Is it, it kind of have a, uh, a shooting star effect. I mean, what's the preferred, in your opinion, preferred route to repipe? So uh, that's a very good question. So uh, we've always been, I'm an old fashioned plumber. So we've always used copper and we stay away from PEX. Um, but as I learned, as we've learned to use it in the last couple of years, um, I like it more and more all the time. 
So the the good the upside is like I have a cousin that lives in Boise and his house is 25 years old and it was built with PEX and he's mm. never had a problem with it, never had a leak, though they have cold weather and stuff because it's insulated. So the thing that I see the most with PEX in Long Beach is that we have a lot of animals and rats and things that are crawling under the buildings. The animals will, they can smell water and they'll actually nibble through a PEX line. So in that case, your choice is should be copper. But uh, PEX, PEX is very good. It doesn't, uh, to my knowledge, there's no nothing out there where it's causing cancer. It's uh, much quicker to install. It's, you know, if you do a repipe in PEX, sometimes we do them half PEX, half copper. Sometimes uh. we'll use all PEX. Um, sometimes we use the risers, uh, it will be copper. It depends what the people want. A lot of the times, once you explain to people that there is a problem with uh, rodents eating the pecs and it could be an issue, then they, a lot of times they'll tend to go back towards the copper. Interesting. So perhaps like the, the building I spoke of has a crawl space with a lot of the utilities that are under the floor space where it might be appropriate in that that application to probably do copper in the underside and maybe if you wanted to do PEX on the, the service areas, is that kind of what you're talking about with the with the combination when you do it? Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you remember, I think we did a job for you on 21st Street and that we used a, a comp that was partly repiped. All your horizontals under the building were repiped at the time. And now the riser pipes go into the different apartments. They were still galvanized. So we got rid of those and we do two apartments at a time because they're stacked on top of each other. And right. um, I believe we did run, uh, uh, let me get rid of that telephone call. Uh, we ran packs there because we were had to fish the lines up to the kitchen sink and then to the uh, the bathrooms. And so uh, the pecs work good on the uh, in the walls going up to the bathrooms, but on the kitchen sinks, we had to use copper because it wouldn't work very well. So you have gotcha. to be flexible when you're doing these things. Yeah, no, no pun intended, right? Flexible, because it sounds like with when, when you're doing that, and that's the exact building I was talking about, by the way, that when you're retrofitting, let's say up two units, two stories vertically, that it just intuitively kind of seems like the pecs would be a little easier to maneuver around corners, around existing framework or what have you that uh, might, might give you a little uh, installation advantage. That's just my intuition uh, without any, any knowledge of expertise. Well, and it, it, uh, it, it does give us an installation advantage. It's also quicker, which makes the job uh, turn out to be less expensive. Well, there you go. I mean, that's that's kind of a win-win, right? Because everybody, every owner, what well, every consumer of anything is always worried about cost. And very rarely, unless I see a, a kind of a more sophisticated investor that's going into an empty building or somehow finds it empty, they're usually not repiping the whole building at the same time. It's usually kind of a one-off thing. We're doing a rehab on unit X and we're tearing everything down to the wallboard or even further. Perfect, perfect time to do it. Um, last time I did one, and it goes back a few years, but it seemed like the repipe on the whole unit seemed to cost maybe three or $4,000, which in my opinion, if you're, if you're gutting the unit and you're keeping the building, it's almost like a no-brainer if you're sitting there with the original plumbing still there. Uh, so that was kind of a success story that kind of keeps evolving on this one building. I still got, you know, it's going back to your point. I still got three units or so that have the original plumbing in it and no complaints about pressure. And that blows my mind. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, you never know what's in the pipes underneath the house. Sometimes you'll find them 
They're dripping, leaking. A uh, quick example, I have a triplex that I own in uh, Lakewood, and uh, I had one tenant that was there for 28 years, and they moved, he had a stroke, and his daughter took him home, and uh, they finally moved out of the unit. And so I, it was a complete remodel. Got the kitchen, got the bathroom, uh, all new floors and everything. And when I started working on the plumbing, well, the unit next door, I could see, because two of them are back-to-back, uh, that galvanized plumbing's dripping under the building. I ended up repiping in copper uh, two of the units and then putting new sewers in under the building so we didn't have any issues. And then the one bathroom got it, you know, of course, new tub and tile and a new bathroom and then new kitchen. So you have to be, and again, I'm not going to sell the building, so I want to I'm going to do it one time correctly. I don't have to worry about those two units anymore. That that kind of moves into the other side of, let's say, manager or owner worries. So we've got the supply side kind of buttoned up. At some point, you repipe if you're going to keep the place. Um, the other side is getting the water out of there. What can you tell me about the best way to perhaps preventative maintenance on the drainage side or what to look for, what we need to to do as owners and managers? Well, that, that's really the most difficult side because you never know there's a problem until there's a stoppage. Most of the houses in Long Beach, the older houses are cast iron under the house. The bottom side of the, uh, the, of the inside of the cast iron pipe where the water flows all the time is usually smooth. And the upper half of the cast iron pipe uh, will get rusty and flake. And mm. the worst thing people can put down the toilet are these uh, flushable, I say, quote, flushable sanitary wipies because they catch on this the uh, cast iron and they uh. cause stoppages. And that's the worst item that anybody can put down their toilet. You know, really, um, I don't think there's a real proactive way to be taking care of your sewers because unless there's a problem, you really don't know about it. So it becomes more of a reactive situation. If you have a kitchen sink stoppage, we run our machines down the kitchen sink line, make sure they're clear. We test them. You know, if they're greasy, we we run hot water down them immediately because that'll flush out the grease and open it up a little bit more. But that's really on the sewer line. The only time you can be a little proactive is that, um, which the worst scenario is, is uh, the main lines on a multiple unit building, people are flushing, then the downstairs units could start to flood. Luckily, if they have clean outs, then, you know, the sewage will come out into the yard and we can clear it from there. And then we run our camera down and we go, let's see, well, what was the problem? And then you can see how many joints in the clay sewer pipe have roots. Uh, you can see if there's cracks. You can see, well, it's really not too bad. There's only a few roots. So in that case, it's cheaper just to run maintenance and we'll put people on a one year contract. We'll call them in a year and say, OK, it's been a year. Do you want to run it or it's up to them? Some will say, oh, absolutely. Come out. Some will say, no, it's not blocked up yet. I don't want to do anything. Okay. <laughs> but then when it backs up on Sunday and they have to pay uh, overtime uh, because there's sewage going everywhere, then they it's not really the better idea. So it's better if you know you have roots to go ahead and put it on the, uh, you know, we basically put you on a calendar and then we'll call you and remind you and let you know that it's that time before you have a stoppage, you need to have your sewers clean. No, it's a great point. And I can speak firsthand that you all have done that for me on a different property where uh, we had to stick a camera down there and we discovered that right at about the, the juncture between the property side and the city side, like maybe getting up toward the street, there was a huge root ball in the pipe. And it was amazing. We could see that in the, 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 the camera lines or something or the camera service is something that many owners do when they're buying a building. And I don't think I would ever look at seriously buying a building without spending the the, the couple bucks to get the camera down the, the main line because Murphy's law says as soon as you close escrow, there's going to be a main line backup. 
but it's, it was, a, it's an amazing service. And, and that was one of the things I, I was thinking about is just doing the mainline clean out as part of your annual, like you're saying, Hey, we'll keep the calendar for you and tell you it's time. Just like going to the dentist to get your teeth clean. And I, I don't think that's a bad idea at all for a couple bucks versus what you're saying is as soon as Sunday night comes around or a holiday weekend comes around, then you got the backup. Well, you know, another example is like, um, uh, I have one customer that owns a few buildings in Belmont Shore and the one he has at like third in Wisconsin uh, had, I've done a lot of work for him. And then every once in a while people, uh, well, they're going to call somebody else. You do a stoppage and it should have been a hundred dollars and it ended up being $150 and they go, oh, he's taking advantage of it. Well, every time you do a stoppage, you have no idea what's in the sewer line. I mean, we, you, what we bring out of sewer lines uh, is incredible. And so uh, he called a different plumber and the different plumber went out there and he was a salesman. He wasn't a plumber. He sold him a sewer liner. So he puts in a two way clean out and uh, he relines the sewer back under the building. But when you have put a sewer liner in, you can't cover any branch lines. So he could only run like maybe 30 feet of sewer liner. I know he charged him like $10,000 and this guy thought he was set now. And, you know, six months later, he's got a big stoppage in the building again. And then he calls us back and we say, well, uh, let's see what it is. I run the camera through there and I said, yeah, I can see your sewer liner and your sewer liner stops like 18 feet short of where the uh, stoppage is. You got a big ball of roots in your sewer. Mm -hmm. And so I located it. It happened to be right under the toilet. And um, so I brought my jetter out. I jetted it. We cut everything through. He's flowing good. And maybe six months later, he's got another ball of roots in the same spot. And I'd given him an estimate to basically remove the toilet, jackhammer the floor in the bathroom, dig down, replace the cast iron fittings that need to be uh, replaced. And most of the time when we do that, we jackhammer the floor, we start digging, and we find we see the roots. The roots are growing to the crack in the line. And so it's like, it's well, there's an arrow right there. We just follow the roots. So wow. you dig, you follow the roots, and here it was. The two-inch line from the kitchen sink had cracked and broken, but it was still in, in line with it. So it was still draining, but the roots were going inside the sewer from the two-inch line. So we end up replacing the section of the four-inch that needed to be done. We fix the two inch haven't heard haven't had another stoppage there in like three years from him so okay. i put myself out of business that way you, you can run into trouble by doing the right thing from time to time and the trouble is if it sounds too good to be true and anything it usually is jumping over dollars to save dime let's talk a second about water heaters i had one that i had to buy from you last year it was a common water heater i think most of the old buildings do have the common water heater what kind of life if you have a, a I think it's a hundred gallon I, I got from you all. What kind of life usually you expect out of a, a water heater, best case? Well, that's a very another very good question that you have because uh, it really depends on, I think some brands are better than others. Um, it depends how what the BTUs are of the water heater. The higher the BTUs means more gas and it heats the, the water faster. It also deteriorates the bottom of the tank fast. So um, you get into the situation of, and now lately with the COVID, lately the last three months, we've had shortage of water heaters. So um, I like American water heaters. They seem to last a good time and their gas valves are, are simpler. Uh, they don't break like some of the other ones that a lot of the water heaters now have a Honeywell thermostat gas valve controls and they have blinking lights on them. And so it'll give you, it'll throw a code and it will tell you 
um, oh, it's seven blinks. And then you look on the side of the valve and it tells you, oh, gas valve bad, or mm. it'll say pilot assembly bad, or no oxygen, or it'll give you an, an idea of what to do to make the repairs. And uh, many times those are correct. Just last week, we replaced the gas valve for someone, but uh, uh, the gas valve itself uh, was like, like $429, my cost. I think we charged them $489. You know, you, at, at that point, it's almost time to replace the water heater because the water heater is already four years old. Why spend $500 in parts, $200 in labor on an old water heater? Water heater companies, all the water heaters are basically a six-year warranty. And if you want to, you can pay extra money to have the warranty increase. You can uh, get them up to a 10 or a 12-year for an extra four or $500. Um, and for that, they give you a different anode rod, which is a magnesium rod that goes in the water heater and it collects or attracts all the calcium so that the bottom of the tank doesn't fill up with calcium so much. Uh, one of the bad, the big things is, is the, the water deposit, the calcium comes into the water heater or sand or whatever, and then it sits in the bottom of the tank. And one common complaint is, and people, they never understand what it is, but they said, my, my water heater sounds like a, a coffee pot. It's percolating when it comes on. I said, yes, because the burner's on under the tank, it's heating the bottom of the tank, and now it has to heat three or four or five inches of sediment, mm -hmm. and then it heats the water. So you, you start burning a lot of extra gas, and you get deposits in your sink or in your aerators, and then the tenants call you. We have no water pressure, and we go out to a house. Uh, we have to charge them a service call, and they have dirty aerators in their own aerator, it seems like. They don't want to, or they're afraid to break something or get in trouble. But we'll clean aerators, we clean the shower heads, and then all of a sudden it works like new again. So um, the water heaters are, are an issue, uh, like Bradford White has the fancy valves, Bradford White, Ale Smith, and Ream. Ream, we have more trouble with Ream water heaters than any of them, and, that, and I believe that's a, I don't know who sells the Ream now, Home Depot or or Lowe's, one of the two, you know, we just, re like I said, we just replaced the gas valve last week on a ream and there's no warranty. They won't, uh, the, wa the water heaters, they, they don't pay any for your labor, but they'll give you a new part, but you got to wait maybe five days to a week for the part to show up. So are you going to do without hot water, without a part? What would your wife say if you said, oh, you're going to wait a week before the part shows up because I don't want to buy the part. I mean, my wife, uh, I have a tankless water heater on my house. The holiday weekend about uh, four years ago, it was Memorial Day weekend. It sprung a leak in the heat exchanger. And I said, oh, oh this is no problem. I can fix this. So I pull it apart and I get into the heat exchanger and I said, it's just a pinhole. So I'm going to just, I turn off the heater, I drain it. I'm going to put a little flux. I'm going to put a drop or two of solder on the outside copper of the heat exchanger. And I said, we're good and we'll, we can replace it later. I did that. And when I, my copper touched the, when my uh, solder touched the copper, the hole went from pinhole side to quarter of an inch. Uh-oh. Because that's how thin, that's how thin it was. And I said, hmm, this is not good. Uh, this is going to be a problem. I said, uh, well, and the wholesale houses are all closed for the weekend. So I go, sure. no, we're not going to have hot water till uh, Tuesday. I put everything back together, turn the water off and let it go. And then my wife says, oh, where's, we don't have any hot water. Oh yeah. The water, the tankless is broken and we can't buy one now. And so uh, we're not going to have hot water till Tuesday. And she looked at me and said, I'm married to a plumber. What the heck are you talking? Well, she used some other words, but we won't use those. And she kind of gave me a, a tongue full. And I said, it's the way it goes. There's nowhere to, I'm not, that's it. 
Monday, then, Tuesday, you'll have a new water heater. And then, and the next thing you knew, you you were in an expensive hotel in Laguna Beach for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy sometimes. It happens to myself. Plumbing is a very uh, fickle thing. I mean, I started plumbing when I was uh, 12 years old with my father. Um, we used to work on the apartments. And in those days, there were no flex lines for water heater. Everything was rigid piping and you had to line everything up and put just you know if you needed a six and a half inch nipple and a union and a four and a half inch nipple you had to put it together 100 percent correctly or you know it would leak or it wouldn't work and so um yeah i mean i worked with him for years and uh, on my 16th birthday he bought me my own electric snake and that was Imagine great that. because then he, uh, that was uh i was 16 so that had been 19 um that had been like uh 1973 and so uh and i still have that snake today i've had it rebuilt once because uh it wouldn't hold the snake tight anymore but i still keep it on my truck i use it for uh, tub showers and stuff it works great and so uh, i then cleaned uh, every drain kitchen sink drain line and whatever with the snake and uh, so i really i've been plumbing since i was 12 and i love it well let, let's leave it there and and I, I would ask anybody who's listening to this who do you want to rely on as your plumber, I would say the answer is somebody that got a snake as a gift when they were 16 years old and still uses it now. I don't know. It just sounds natural. Uh, but J&D Plumbing's information will all be in the show notes. As I, as I said earlier, I highly recommend them. Actually, I hope you all don't call them because it'll keep me waiting for stuff I need to get done. That's a joke. But certainly uh, a wonderful, longstanding Long Beach company. Uh, Bob, it's been great. I really appreciate you coming in today, giving us owners and managers just a little more than we knew before about plumbing because it's not going away and, and we'll need you forever. So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope I was uh, had some insight for uh, some of the listeners. Good. You can always call us. We'll take your call. A lot of times if it's a simple fix, I'll tell them how to fix it themselves on the telephone. Uh, we do stay very busy and uh, sometimes you have to wait a day or two or a week sometimes for furnaces. Depends on the situation, but uh, we try to service everybody. Get in touch with them when you need it. Uh, J&D Plumbing, again, information in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Everything Apartments podcast. I'm your host, Eric Christopher. Stay tuned for another episode coming soon.